0: Uh, there's been like an I wouldn't say an argument or a debate, but like people usually say, what's the template for like a the Sony game? And some people would argue Last of Us, some people would argue Uncharted, some people would argue Classic God of War. I would argue it's Eco. I would say it's clearly Eco.
1: This is why you should play Eco. Welcome to another episode of why you should play my very special guest today i reached out to because a lot of times it's not just about the game it's as much if not more so about the guest so my guest today plays a wide range of games so i wanted to kind of get an idea of hey what games do you evangelize and, and advocate for that you would want to talk about on this podcast And so, one of the games that was on his list was Eco, which is the first game from appropriately named Team Eco and led by Fumito Ueda, who we will go into a little bit more in a moment. But I want to introduce today's guest. First and foremost, many people know him as the number one fan of PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Uh, Some people would call him the last guardian of that franchise. Uh, and we are still waiting for a PlayStation All-Stars 2. By the way, we're very patient. I've dubbed him the admiral of adaptations of video games to TV and movies. Furthermore, more specifically to adaptations, I call him the prophet of PlayStation productions. He has been known to will an adaptation or two into existence, including quite possibly a Jack and Daxter movie. He goes by Real radic on many of his socials, including his wonderful YouTube channel, where he has gained notoriety for his coverage of the emerging and surprisingly popular and well-done Twisted Metal TV show on Peacock. All of the episodes are streaming right now, so you can go on there and binge them. Please welcome Radic. Radek, how are you doing today?
0: Thank you so much, man. That's quite the intro. I'm very honored. I try to be a hype man. Oh, you hyped me up, dude. Like, you, you just made me realize that we're living on cloud nine right now, man. In this timeline, Twisted Metal Show, a Gran Turismo movie that was awesome. Jack and Daxter movie that's coming out, apparently. And that's finally going to bring new life to that franchise since 2009. So what, what's there to complain about, you know? I'm just living the best life right now.
1: There isn't. You are really living your best life. It really is like your Thanksgiving. You're just eating good every single week. I keep on the lookout for Gran Turismo tickets. I have a preferred theater that I go to. I have a membership for it, but they still have yet to post Gran Turismo tickets. I'm sure it's just from needing to clear out a bunch of movies that are currently in theater to make room for all of the, the Oh, absolutely. That...
0: Yeah. 100%. What format are you going to watch it in? I'm just curious.
1: Um probably I don't know. I think I think one of the locations in town for this chain does a Dolby?
0: Oh, you should watch it in Dolby.
1: Yeah, because I know the cargo room. I'm not, I'm not usually a huge car guy, but I get my fix once in a while. And the, the, the camera angles and like the level of immersion that you get in the racing scenes seems like it'll be something that's really up my alley. So
0: Oh, for sure. This is legit Sony's answer to Oppenheimer by far this summer. So you're in for a treat.
1: I would say so. I think the racing scenes are really going to capture that immersion the way the bomb test did in
0: Oppenheimer, for sure. Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah. <laughs> Just how Kazanori wanted it to.
1: Oh, yeah, his, his dream, like, really uh, clearly has come to life. I'd like to start off with every episode with kind of a soft opening with what are you currently playing?
0: So I just finished Medieval Resurrection yesterday. I got mm. the platinum. I was just recording a bunch of footage of me getting the, all those trophies. And for people who don't know, Medieval Resurrection is like a reimagining of the first medieval game on PS1. Came out on PSP 2005. And it's all right. I definitely appreciated more than i did years ago because years ago it's like oh this is like bastardized version of medieval but you know time kind of heals all wounds and i kind of look back at it more fondly now it's like okay this is they're trying something a little bit different still the same kind of game but they definitely took some liberties with some of the art direction and level design but it's an all right game and plus i'm not too mad about it anymore since we have the ps4 remake of medieval which is amazing But it is funny that there's three versions of Medieval 1 and only one version of Medieval 2. So that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I've mentioned
1: this before. I would have never guessed that Medieval, of all games, gets glow-up treatment because I fondly remembered it. But I remembered it as being a very, very niche sort of title. The version that you recently played on PSP, did it it keep the same overall energy and charm of the original, at least?
0: Yeah, I would argue they made it a little bit more Tim Burton-esque, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because they definitely changed up a little bit. It's still the kind of the same tone and British whimsical humor. Mm-hmm. It's just in a different way. But the uh, PS4 remake is way, way more faithful to the original game than the PSP game.
1: Nice. Yeah, and it, it's always great to to see uh, kind of lesser known, maybe smaller, more budget titles like that, and Destroy All Humans and some other games get that sort of facelift, glow up, and with the kind of unique charm that it has and the sense of humor, it's really great another thing that i like to start out with every episode is with games that people really really evangelize for on this podcast i like to think that a lot of times specific games that they want to come on and talk about they tend to have a unique origin with the game or maybe like a a more intimate personal story with it so do you have such experience with like the first time you played eco or
0: so my history with eco when I really started paying attention to gaming news and media and just getting constant updates about video games, it was during like the mid to late PS3 generation. So Eco was not on my radar at all or Shadow of the Colossus either. Like Team like team Eco in general, I did not really care for. It, it was only until, you know, very few like appearances. I remember there's an Eco costume pack in the little, little Big Planet. I was like, okay, like who are these guys, whatever. And then when PlayStation All Stars was coming out, during like forums and discussion era, pre-launch, everyone arguing and debating on who should be on the roster, Eco got popped up a lot. I'm like, who who who's Eco, bro? Like this kid with horns, he looks flame. So I just did not care about that IP at all. And then I was looking at my trophies. I did pop one trophy in twenty fourteen for eco HD. So I must have played it via PS now. And then I just forgot about it since then, until I played the Shadow of the Colossus remake in 2018. That game blew me away. I was in awe of that game, one of my favorite games of all time. And I started to believe the Ueda hype. I was like, okay, all right, people, I get the hype now. But that was in 2018, and I still didn't go to Last Guardian, and I still haven't played ECO. So it was only until last year, in 2022, I recently got PS3 again. I have, like, 256 gigabytes, so I had, like, an opportunity to download a ton of games for it. And I just decided, you know what? Let me buy the HD remasters on PS3 of the original Shadow of the Colossus and Eco. so I can finally play Eco. And going into Eco, I kind of knew it was going to be way less epic in scale than Shadow of the Colossus. Because in Shadow of the Colossus, you're fighting these giant colossi. So I already was prepared for Eco to be like a more low-key experience. And once I played it, I fell in love with it, like I did with Shadow of the Colossus remake. So that's kind of my brief history with the Eco IP.
1: That's great to hear. And I like that you mentioned that it doesn't really... Achieve the scope and scale of Shadow of the Colossus because obviously it was it was a first game and you can see a lot of the DNA with his two subsequent games and kind of what people have dubbed like a sort of a pseudo trilogy even though they're not like connected story wise or universe wise there's a lot of DNA taken from Eco into the future games but it still does a lot of things really really well despite the limitations uh, that it has and we'll we'll get more into that later on in the episode. But speaking of the DNA, I wanted to give a, a little bit of an examination of how Eco helped inform the feature titles being Shadow of the Colossus and Last Guardian. And you did mention you you've played Last Guardian as well, correct?
0: No, no, I only played it for like okay. ten minutes years ago. But I, okay, dude, legit earlier today, I downloaded it on my PS5.
1: Okay, good. But I think Eco and Last Guardian share a lot of DNA with each other. But yeah, I would say Eco it may not have the sense of scope and scale that the subsequent latter two games do, but it doesn't necessarily have the glaring headaches that the subsequent titles do either. So replaying it, I mean, I think we both just recently got off replaying it like within the past, we finished, I finished in the, within the past couple of hours. Same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're literally coming fresh off of the game. So, it was, so hopefully it's going to be a lot to discuss. But yeah, like I said, it's most similar to Last Guardian, but there's some Shadow of the Colossus in there as well. With the overall art style between all three games, Nico kind of set that standard with a lot of desaturated colors, but there's a really effective use of lighting, and that the use of lighting combined with like the art style and the architecture, there's still some striking visuals in Eco even by today's standards. You know, it's obviously not going to have like the super high res textures, um, etc. But with the use of the camera and the vistas and the architecture, it does make for some really um, striking visuals. So. Ueda clearly was able to work around the limitations that he had to make something that I think still holds up remarkably well. And yeah, it does have the companion puzzle gameplay, which carries over to both. And with all three games, there's very limited dialogue and a lot of nonverbal communication, which again, as I think it's not essential to his games. Like, you know, you don't go in and at the end, when you finish, you say, Oh, I needed more dialogue or or such, but (laughs)
0: yeah. Yeah. uh,
1: Ueda in, Team Eco Gen Design, that as they would go on to be called, they understood what the vision was, and they they worked around either what they knew they weren't going to include or what they were limited by. So the the next sort of when we dive deeper into the actual game itself, Eco, I wanted to I have it on the agenda here. My the only way I could really phrase it is I wanted to discuss how Eco punches above its weight. But obviously, it was pretty limited by the PS2 tech, but. It wasn't the PS1 or, you know, like I think that the early 3D PS1 games have become almost a meme at this point. Like I I know you streamed, you played a bunch of the earlier Siphon Filter games. Oh yeah. Um, yeah they were, was, they were, uh... they were rough, man. Like they were rough. I, I mean, I, I knew with how many of those early 3D games I played, like Siphon Filter, Tomb Raider, etc. I'm like, it's going to be rough, man, between the camera and the character movement. But PS2, I think is when de- developers started to get hang and more comfortable with characters moving around in a 3d space. So is that, do you think you, you got that impression from eco? I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing really glaring. I don't think with um, the character movement.
0: No, not really at all. Like you make a good point that like, yeah, playing Siphon filter, there, there are fun games to go back to. It's uh, very funny and very uh, nostalgic, even though i never really played them back in the day. It's just kind of funny just to play the games from that time period and just to see the origins of the PlayStation. But some some moments in that game were really rough. And I never really had that f- experience with Eco. Like, the movement felt fine. Jumping felt okay to me. There's there one section with a water wheel that you have to make, like, a jump while you're on, like, a yes. water wheel platform. Yes. And the first time I ever played that game, oh, my God, it took me, like, 20 tries to get on there. Eventually, like, I played the game, like, four or five times since then, mainly because it's pretty short, so it's uh you can just play it in like an afternoon or something so i definitely improved my ability at that moment but other than that like i, I didn't really have any problem with like the actual movement of eco himself or even yora actually like anytime i called her she like came usually right away uh when she ever whenever she needed to step on the platform she usually stayed there so i can do my own thing try to figure out the puzzle so it was kind of impressive for a ps2 game how reliable the ai ai companion was and i only found this out like days after i beat eco originally you can play it in two player uh another player can control yora as well i'm like oh okay that's kind of cool so i would i would actually love to play the game in co-op one day anyways that's a tangent but I, i
1: didn't no i didn't i didn't even realize that to be honest with you and it's it's even funnier that you mentioned that little anecdote because um with you know, with kind of how the game punches above its weight, I mean, there's still some PS2-ness to it. Like when I played it via streaming, there's small black screens in between areas that kind of like suggest loading in between because yeah. again, like PS2 wasn't going to be able to render this entire area, you know, seamlessly. So it is kind of funny to notice those quirks. Nowadays, it's, it's like a, it's like the blink of an eye of a black screen. And yeah, you and you don't have a lot of quality of life stuff. So things may not... Be as apparent where you need to go, what you need to do, but it kind of adds to the charm of being able to figure out things.
0: Yeah, that's kind of like the point of the game, I would argue.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the point of the game. There are there are some, there's a few obtuse puzzles, and the, the solution is rather elaborate that you wouldn't necessarily have thought of. But yeah, I, I, I was just impressed by how it did pump, punch above its weight with the sense of scope and scale. You know, like when you're climbing up a long ladder or you're going up and down a long chain, and the camera's very deliberately angled to where. you're know, you gazing upon a vista behind you, whether it's a cliffside or a piece of architecture or what have you, or the game itself will visually signal to you like, hey, when you're going down this chain or up or down this ladder, this is kind of where you need to go next. And so it it has this sort of visual language to it with the use of the camera and architecture um, and objects that you interact with where it really does make it feel immersive, but also feeling like a game at the same time would you agree with that
0: oh absolutely uh one of the like one of the things I didn't really notice about the game until like further playthroughs is that the castle like it's very deliberately designed obviously yeah but one thing I really appreciate about the game is like the castle is very like barren and empty there's not no like anytime you go to a room there's not like an overload the furniture plates cupboards stuff like that it's just empty so I like that design at the end of the day, that, that kind of stuff in the game doesn't really matter. Only there, it's only there for aesthetic reasons. So I kind of like what a Ueda does, where it's like, all right, we're going to remove all that crap. We're just going to keep the things that are really important. And those things are that are really important, let's say like a chandelier you can jump on, or like a random chain, or like some bombs in the corner. Everything is deliberately placed to help you progress to escape the castle. And I think that... I think he calls it subtraction by design or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. And you can see that in Shadow of the Colossus as well, where with how like it's in, technically an open world, but it's the most empty open world ever. And it's beautiful because of it. And I think that really applies to Eco as well, where the castle is really empty inside, except for a few things. And those few things guide you so well, mixed in with camera placements. And it just guides you on your journey. And I think that's like masterfully done throughout the entire game. And I, I do want to mention, uh, you, you mentioned like how the, the camera will switch angles. when you either like climb a ladder or you climb a chain. And it sometimes those shots only last for like two seconds, but when they do, they really do feel like this feels like a painting, like a full on watercolor painting. Like I would, if I took a screenshot of this moment right now, I would like hang it up in my room and frame it. Cause it just looks so beautiful.
1: For sure. All of Ueda's games, all three of them. And you'll you'll get this with Last Guardian, certainly as well. I mean, it's funny that you, everything, how how well you said it about the design of the game, because that's that's the next topic that I wanted to get into is what struck me most about this game, more than anything, is the design. And specifically, it is the brilliant use of this one single location. I think technically it's a castle, a like castle fortress. It is how this one entire structure is striking, but again, it's, the entire game pretty much takes place inside this one structure. So you would think like, oh, it could be kind of boring or stale, and it really, really doesn't. And what's even more brilliant about it is it almost has this sort of Metroidvania aspect where areas loop in upon themselves and other areas inter- interconnect. And so you're on this journey, and it's contained within this one single location, but it still feels like you're on an adventure. It really is like a like a 3D Metroidvania and I was amazed by the end of the game at how much everything interconnected. And when you have to travel backwards through an area to maybe backtrack and come at it from a different angle after you lowered a bridge or opened a gate. And it speaks to, like you had said earlier, with camera angles and the visuals, like there was so much thought put into it. And also, like you said, everything is there for a reason. There's thought and purpose into everything. And he made everything work. Like the base architecture is very um, striking and unique. And if you see a stick or a bomb or a barrel or a crate around you, you can more than likely interact with it. And it does serve a purpose to, to kind of, I mean, the, in the theme of the design aspect of this game, I want to loop it back around to kind of the interconnectedness of this castle fortress, whatever you want to call it and how really brilliant it is.
0: That kind of blew me away. It was kind of awe inspiring because yep. uh, the first time you do it, the second time you meet the shadow beasts, like and th- those guys are creepy to this day especially that music cue that comes in that that haunting chord that plays when those shadow beasts come in like that still scares me but anyway you try to go past the bridge but it's uh it's raised up so you have to raise it down and then you you go up up a tap up the stairs you go on a train track and then you have to do a bunch and eventually you end up on the other side of the bridge you pull down the lever and the bridge will come down, and that's where you originally were in the beginning of the challenge. I did not expect all these actions and paths I went on to lead me back to this very moment. And I always thought that was very cool. And e- even when you progress through the game, sometimes you you know climb a ladder, or you go up the stairs, and in the background, you see an area, and you're like, I was just there. I was literally there like 20 minutes ago, and now I'm seeing it in a different point of view. So I totally get now when Miyazaki best known from from software mm-hmm. he says eco is one of his biggest inspirations ever kind of made him want to make video games and when you play a like game like demon souls or dark souls you totally see eco in it with the interconnectivity of the levels and it's just a masterclass in design like the way it's so interlinked together it's kind of perfect actually you mentioned it's kind of Metroidvania, and you're totally right it is but it's just uh and the thing to me too is anytime you go into a r- room. It kind of feels mundane in a way, but because it's so mundane, it kind of makes it memorable because there's no big, you know, Ferris wheel or cages where animals used to be. No, it's just, here's a garden and it might have like flower or two. Here's some tombstones on it and that's it. But the greens pop up and, and the greens of the grass are such a good contrast to like the mundane tiles of the floor and the wall. And this provides a beautiful image.
1: Yeah, and you do... It isn't all very samey, you, and when the sort of unique pieces of architecture assets do show up, it is very striking. Like there's one sort of area that is contains like a dilapidated windmill.
0: Yes, yes, that's my favorite room in the game.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned there's a there's some water wheel levels, and yeah, there is these little sort of subtle little little certain mix-ups on what you would expect, and what you said earlier stuck out to me as well with given how seemingly bland a lot of the interior design of a lot of these spaces can be, it makes it to where when you go through them and you traverse them and you manipulate them, it makes it even more rewarding. And it's like, Oh, the overall setting itself is almost a character that you're helping to form or repair or put back together by lowering a bridge or opening a gate or what have you. So it makes traversing it even more rewarding. Oh, there's, there's secrets here and there's, Things to be revealed and discovered in this seemingly bland area that would seem kind of uninspired at, at the surface level or at first glance. But that is the one thing that struck me the most uh, playing through this game again. is like I, I would love to see like, what their design team's office was like. I would imagine this like giant blueprint of uh, the entire map and how everything interconnects and how they made it all work. It's just um, incredible. It really is.
0: Yeah, behind the scenes, like I would be scared just designing that. Everything has to be perfect. You change one thing and that could affect literally everything else in the game. So, I know
1: there was times when I was replaying it, I was afraid like if I jumped down a ledge or something, I would be locked out. But again, every time you go somewhere, there is a way back. You're not locked out. You won't have to pause or restart or close out and go back to a, a previous save or whatever. But again, it speaks to the design. And I think... It is striking. I think you could make an argument that in terms of a design philosophy, it is probably the best of the three, honestly, that I think of it. And I didn't, I didn't know that, that little anecdote about Miyazaki, that is high, high, high praise. And I don't want to get into spoilers, but yeah, the entire area is very interconnected and they did it so brilliantly well. But any other final thoughts, anything, anything else that kind of stuck out to you with the interconnectedness without spoilers?
0: Without spoilers. Um, I will always... I'll, I'll just say that there's a reason why like people like Kojima, Enuma, Neil Druckmann, Miyazaki all credit Eco as like one of their biggest inspirations. And because like, the design in this game is, I would argue, masterclass. It, it really is. It really is. I would
1: say that would be among the first things that I would tell people about playing this game is that you're going to be amazed at the interconnectedness. It is quite astonishing. And it, even if you may not like other aspects of the game. You may not appreciate them. You will come away at the by the end of the game with that appreciation for wow the planning and design and the the kind of like the QA and the kind of like the checking of the logic of like you know if my character does this or I push this object is it going to like break the the sequence and it never does it's it's incredible.
0: Yeah, it really is like, and I will say this like the fact that they managed to make it so cohesive and respect the player at the same time without really any dialogue, really is incredible because like i would think like if this was like a ubisoft game you have the hint system popping up every five seconds your ai companion will be telling you what to do or that could be like a modern sony game so some would argue but i think the way they managed to pull it off back in 2001 with respect to the player no dialogue you gotta figure it out man like you're you're in a room you just figure it out by yourself you moron and then lots of times I felt like a moron. But once I figured it out, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay, this is all very deliberate.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there, there's one or two puzzle solutions where I was like, that's a little bit elaborate based on kind of what I've experienced previously in the game. But again, when you figure out puzzles from seemingly mundane things like pieces of wood structures or chandeliers or chains or what have you, it is so rewarding. It's it's There's so many eureka moments that go off in your head, but... Kind of speaking of those things, my next section for the game is gameplay. So the gameplay with Eco um, at the very base level is puzzles and platforming. And combined with the use of the companion, her name is Yorba, I believe, correct? Yorda. Yorda, Da, door, Yorda, yeah. And so when you traverse these puzzles and platforms, Yorda has some special abilities that you open these gates to advance to the next area. And again, it's not linear. You're going to be able to like interconnect It's basically to advance the story, if you will, and to unlock the next area of the game or the the castle. So, and you have to help you with that. You can push and pull objects. You can pick up and drop or throw bombs to blow up some obstacles. And for melee, you have the use of a stick or a sword. And since your stick is wood, you can light it and use it to light bombs or light fires to unlock um, special doors or to light torches or to light wood or what have you. So in addition to that, you have combat, like I said, the stick and the sword are melee. So obviously the sword is gonna be more effective for melee against these spirits who are basically servants of this other individual that I won't spoil. And you can use the stick or the sword to fight them off. Very basic two, three hit combos with swipes of your melee weapon, sword or, or stick. And for your companion Yorda, you can call her and you need to hold her hand basically for her to advance to most locations. She will follow you within the vicinity. You you hold Yorda's hand to really get her going to where you need to go faster. And um, it's funny, I'll digress in a moment, but uh, I'll let you take over. But the animation for when you're holding your hand and like leading her along, you're like yanking this poor girl's arm out of yeah, her socket, yeah. man. I'm like, we need to get going. But man, this this poor girl, she's suffering in, in more ways than one. But yeah, just kind of take it away with the gameplay. I know I kind of ran the gamut, but I want to make sure nothing was left out. But yeah, go ahead and take it away on the puzzle platforming and the, the melee. And
0: Yeah, you listed out all like the moves you can do in combat and while you're platforming. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that much, but that's why I like it. You have a very specific set of moves, and then you use those moves to figure out the environmental puzzle. There's no fluff; everything has a purpose, and you use all those moves to like maneuver through the castle. And I think it's so well done. uh There's been like an I wouldn't say an argument or a debate, but like people usually say, "What's the template for like the a, a Sony game?" And some people would argue Last of Us, some people would argue Uncharted, some people would argue Classic God of War. I would argue it's Eco. I would say it's clearly Eco. There are so many times when it's like climbing and jumping on ledges, swinging on chains. I'm like, this is literally Uncharted. It really is like a PS2 version of Uncharted or like a classic God of War game, the way you traverse and scale the environment. So yeah. it's very influential in that regard. And as for the combat, yes, it's very simple. And as you said, there's you only have one three hit combo on the ground. You can do like a jump attack, but you barely use that except for like the winged shadow creatures. But what I like about the combat is it's not really about you in those scenarios. It's about Yorda. Because, like, Eco can get hit so many times he has no health bar, really. The only time Eco will die is if you jump off a cliff deliberately. Yeah,
1: fall damage, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, throughout the combat, usually if I get hit, I'm fine. I spam old buttons to get up as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want Yorda to get hurt. And I think the game does such a great job making you feel for Yorda in those moments with no dialogue at all. Yeah. It's just, she's defenseless. You're her only bastion of hope in those moments. So every time I just try to get rid of those shadow creatures as fast as possible, especially those big guys. Like there's ones that are like bigger than the rest of them that take, it feels like nine to 12 hits.
1: Yeah, they're tanky
0: for sure. Yeah, they're very tanky. So I got to hit them three times. They're on the ground. I got to like run over to the next guy who's trying to catch Yorda, hit him three times and rinse and repeat. And sometimes I was like, quickly grab Yorda's hand, run her to the corner, leave her there and go attack the shadow creatures while they're after her. So it's a, it's a very simple combat system, but I really like how it enhances your connection with Yorda. And I think that's really well done.
1: Yeah, that's that's very well said. And you made me think to, to bring up a few things. And I think what's kind of underappreciated about the the combat, you still it still really helps to have some presence of mind. When you're trying to ward off these um these kind of spirit monsters, you know, for example, it helps to stick Yorda in a corner so that she can't really be approached from multiple angles by these beasts. So you're you know you're defending kind of a limited attack angles from where these beasts are going to try to grab her. And also, it helps to be mindful of. So when they do get after her and they grab her, they basically try to drag her down into these dark portals on the floor, and they're clearly identifiable. Like, like I said, the the colors of the architecture are desaturated, so it's like a yellowish, sort of gray beige, and these portals are black, so you'll be able to pick them out pretty easily. So you'll kind of have a presence of mind of when she does get grabbed and they like fly off with her, you'll kind of have an idea of where they're going to go and pull her out. And of the portals, if they do get a hold of her and try to whisk her away, and if they do become successful, it's like a, it's an auto death. It's basically this wave of dark energy goes out and kills you, and so. We'll get into a little bit more of this, but yeah, there are subtle things with the combat and the platforming that you kind of want to have presence of mind of that, again, it's the idea of respecting the player where you'll know your bearings, know where you are, know where like, the, the nearest staircase or ladder is during combat so that if Yorda does get captured, you'll know the quickest route to go retrieve her. And so, yeah, it's it's very, very effective. And again, like the, the sword, again, the sword is going to be more effective, right? In combat, it's going to yeah. take less hits to conquer these monsters. They don't tell you that, um, but it's like common sense, like because of course, like why, why wouldn't it? You know. Did so, you
0: get the secret weapon?
1: I don't think I did. No, okay. no, I didn't get the secret weapon. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's stuff like that. So there'll be sometimes when you complete a puzzle, and you'll kind of have an inkling, like I think some shadow beasts are going to show up here because it's been a really long time and been too easy right now and i'm about to advance to another area they're going to show up here and there was a sword on the upper platform so before i turn this crank or press this lever i'm going to go grab this sword just in case in case there's combat um and sure enough they'll show up and your presence of mind will be paid off so yeah again we'll go into a little bit more of that with caveats but i guess again without spoilers was there anything more that you wanted to speak to for the puzzles and the platforming
0: uh the only time i had trouble with the platforming was that water wheel section so yeah i think you know what i'm talking about it's like literally right after you have to jump like if there's a platform that like jumps you higher
1: yeah yeah it's and it's like it's like 85 percent of the way into the game it's like pretty near the end it's like right before the very last sort of act i would yeah, say it's,
0: it's definitely in the last third
1: yeah, yeah yeah it's it's in it's solidly in the last act of the game and yeah we'll get more into caveats there, but the the it's kind of the camera angles can be a little bit of a nuisance sometimes more so than the jumping and platforming.
0: Yeah, I will say that climbing on some ledges or pipes, sometimes the way the camera's angled, you have to switch the input on your joystick to match it properly. And sometimes I would get confused by that. I remember one time I was climbing a ledge and I was just climbing left and this was completely my fault. I was just climbing to the left and then like there's no end to that ledge, right? So I assumed Ico was going to stop, but like he just kept going and then he just fell 2000 feet down. I'm like, oh, well, I'm sorry, buddy.
1: Yeah, there's little subtle things that you need to kind of adjust to. Like, for example, I was doing this a little bit. For example, like you can't jump onto ladders, you know, like save yourself some time. You have to mostly just walk up to them and it'll like auto cling to the ladder and you have to walk up to it. And I don't think you can jump up the ladders, you know, like in a lot of modern traversal games, you go quicker, but you have to pretty manually go up and down ladders. I think when you go down, you can press X to drop down and, and cling to it. So to save yourself some time. Yeah, I think we kind of ran through the platforming in combat. Kind of the, the next section that I want to get into is caveats. The spirit of this podcast is being like optimistic and evangelizing and advocating for a game. But there are little quirks about this game that's, again, I think in the grand scheme of all three games, I think this actually has by far the fewest glaring issues for Eco. The biggest caveat that I have is, man, the checkpoints can be kind of rough sometimes like oh yes there was times where the interconnectedness is kind of long and drawn out and you feel like man i think i'm kind of halfway through this puzzle i'm going to go back to the bench and and save really quick and part of the caveat is that is like when you want to save you you have to have yorda with you she has to be there with you to save And i think that's kind of a nice touch to the game it makes it more sentimental and bonding it's like you need her by your side in order to Log your progress. If you're just there at the bench by yourself, it's not complete. Like he literally won't even I don't think he'll even sit down if no, is you are to know not won't. Won't. Is not yeah. with him. So I think that's a nice storytelling gameplay touch and another aspect of where you need to have presence of mind. But yeah, that's probably the only genuine issue I have with the game. There were a couple times where I'm like, oh my God, I died. and it was it usually wasn't from the combat. It was usually from falling, honestly. And so when I'm falling, it's from a high, really high heights, and it's because I traversed a long way away from a safe point. It was nothing too complex. It was just really drawn out. And so I think you have, you, did you have a couple of um, instances of that?
0: Yeah, you mentioning like making sure like you save in between puzzles. I definitely did that a lot in my first yeah. playthrough. Uh, I'll just say there's like, a, a room with a solar panel for lack of a better word. Yeah, And I, I made sure to use that save bench multiple times during that section.
1: I, I, I think I know the exact same one you're mentioning and there's no auto-saving in this game no, at all even no. even when i played it on ps plus streaming i know there's some there's been some quality of life but i don't think for any of the ps3 titles right it's just for like ps2 ps1 uh you got to go here and manually save there's no auto save i don't think there's really there's no auto checkpoints either is there like you have I to I think save there up.
0: might be because i remember like playing it earlier today like i think i fell down and instead of spawning me in the save bench it spawned me in like the beginning of like a room or something
1: yeah, I think it's after like an extended um, cutscene, maybe it was when it saves, but that's it. Like if you, like say, if, if you pull a lever or push a crane or push a winch or something, and it plays a really short cutscene of a gate opening, that is not a safe point. So more often than not, if you think it may not have saved, it didn't save. So you'll definitely want to use those benches. But hey, I mean, the theme for when, you, when you're when you saving at the bench is an all-time like banger. I right? love it. It's yeah. so. It's so. I think people have used it for like ringtones or alerts.
0: I think FedEx or one of those uh, companies uses it as a, its hold music when when they put people on hold.
1: I think so. Yeah. I think
0: Which is uh, crazy. I think was it Sprint or Verizon? I can't remember. Yeah.
1: I think I think you may be right because when I heard it, I vaguely recalled something that beyond just the scope of the game. And yeah, I think PlayStation should use it for their uh, their amazing customer service that Jim Ryan spearheads. <laughs>
0: That'd be awesome
1: for their like PlayStation stars, upper tier customers that they serve.
0: Absolutely. The level five,
1: the level, the level five stars. Yeah. With all their NFTs. So yeah, that was the glaring caveat that I have. And there are some moments where I think there is a lot more enemies than you expect and sort of due to your limitations with the camera. Again, it is a fixed camera, you're kind of not sure it it does play that sort of theme when the spirits are around you and it does go away when they are all gone but it can be kind of annoying sometimes because you're like where is that last like one or two spirit enemy and they are their aggro is very inconsistent you really a lot of them you have to basically bait them into getting into your yeah, vicinity
0: they keep dropping around every time you try to swing at them
1: Yeah it's like um I forget the names of those enemies in Mario that when you face away from them they they aggro you. But when you're facing them, they kind of oh booze. Yeah, booze. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was thinking shy guys, but booze. Yeah, they're like they're like booze in Mario. Basically, yeah, kind of. Yeah, you have to face away from them to get to get them to aggro you, and then you they get in your vicinity. You can you can swipe at them. But was there anything that you wanted to mention? Any kind of caveats?
0: Not really, honestly, because we do mention like we mentioned some wonky camera issues and maybe like the occasional wonky platforming solution or a sequence, but. I really think this game is kind of perfectly designed, man. Like, it really is. The only caveat I would say is maybe, like, since this is a 2001 game, don't go in expecting, like, the most high-end visual fidelity or graphics. Because the game does look, like, on the graphical fidelity level, it does look pretty dated. But the art direction and art style, I would argue, make up for it. Like, absolutely. Because it still looks, it looks kind of like a watercolor painting. Someone described it like that to me at once that always stuck with me. It's like, Oh yeah, it, it really does. So I think eco is like one of the, an almost perfect game, like no games, obviously perfect, but if I had to nominate one game to be perfect, it would probably be eco. Be
1: you mentioned the camera angle too. And I don't know if I specified this, but sometimes I think you did on some jumps, but sometimes the depth perception can be wonky. So it's kind of like when you're, when you're hanging from a chain or you're on a ledge and you're like, man, I'm not sure if I can make that jump or not, just due to the depth perception and the camera angle. Combine that with, oh man, if I miss this jump or I mess this up, it's a long way back from the last time I saved on oh, a yeah. bench. Oh, so yeah. it can be kind of stressful, but it, it is pretty generous with grabbing ledges. You auto grab ledges; you don't need to time a button press or anything. No. Oh, and there is one, um, there is one jumping thing when you activate this sort of pillar that goes up and down. And you have to time. Your jump—you'll know it when you get to it. It's like a very, very—it's a very, very unique puzzle. But you basically have to hold down the jump button. It's kind of like charging up your jump, and then when the pillar yeah, um, fires, that's back that's right up before to the its... water wheel. Yep. There was kind of things. I think I think a, a, a special guest designer jumped in and had a little fun that day, being uh, being sadistic. <laughs> but no, there are those two or three instances where they kind of push the platforming and the puzzles to like approach their limit. I wouldn't say certainly not doesn't break the game, but kind of pushes it to its limit. But that's pretty much it. I mean, I was shocked. So
0: yeah, for sure. I will say about that um, pillar jump. Like I did platinum this game, and one of the trophies is beat the game in under two hours. Right?
1: Oh yeah. Boy. And
0: like the timing has to be tight, very tight. So like when I got to that part, I'm like, oh my god, man, am I going to spend like five minutes on this thing? And luckily, I got it on like the third or fourth try, and I like, thank God for that.
1: The camera in that one too. The camera is tighter because you're you're in an interior and you're in kind of tucked away into like a a side pocket. And when you fire up all, when you get the maximum elevation, it kind of goes out of the range of the camera's view. So you're not quite sure for a second if you got it, but then the camera catches up and you're like, oh, thank God I was able to grab the ledge. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's just little quirks from from playing so many like 3D puzzle games that you, you kind of learn what they want you to do. So the next section that I've kind of introduced recently is any final thoughts that are maybe tangential to the actual game itself. The one thing I will say for this game and you've platinumed it. So I'm sure you've done it already, but you want to stay all the way through the credits. Yep. There is a very good uh, emotional payoff. Part of it did remind me of a specific game. And I did have a chuckle about that. It's not any of this game's fault. It's from a game that is decades after. And I'll I'll tell you about it after we're done recording. It it cracked me up. But when you stay through the credits, the only thing I'll say is keep running to the left. You want to go so far left that it's going to make Lennon and Marks blush. So just like, just keep (laughs) going. Just keep going left. And the last two things, considering my guest, I would be remiss if I didn't address these. Number one is, what would you think of a remake of this game?
0: I'm so glad you asked that, because that was literally going to be my final thought. Is like, I'm kind of shocked that this game did not get a remake alongside Child of the Colossus. I get Child of yeah. the Colossus is a, is a more popular game. Um, oh, man, more- that...
1: that- yeah, that blue point treatment is oh, it's remarkable. Yeah,
0: remarkable. One of the best remakes of all time. And yep. Shadow of the Colossus on its own is like a more marketable game, I would argue. Yeah. Eco, I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't remake Eco alongside that Shadow of the Colossus remake, because it definitely deserves it just as much. And I would argue like Shadow of the Colossus, I mean, Eco is just as influential as Shadow of the Colossus. It deserves that treatment. The only thing the only well, not the only reason, probably one of the only reasons why they haven't remade it yet is probably the cost of development for it would be high, obviously, but probably not that high compared to other titles. But the thing is, it would cost like $50 minimum, right? And even at $50 for a game like Eco nowadays, that's only like six, seven hours long on your first playthrough. I play I beat the game in like three and a half, four hours the well, last time I played, so like I kinda know it by the back of my hand but there's always that debate in modern gaming now uh should length justify the price i would pay 70 bucks for an eco remake like straight i would do that but i feel like that would come with a lot of controversy as well because even though we all love eco on the internet someone random joe Schmo buys it on the whim expecting it to be like a 15 20 hour game and he finishes it in seven and he's pissed off which sucks. I hate that. That's mentality of some gamers nowadays. Like if a game is $70, it should be at least 20 or 30 hours long. So I feel like that's kind of one of the reasons why Sony's not keen on remaking a game like eco because it's too short, which just sucks. Cause I, I hate that argument, but I don't think they would make an eco remake and sell it for like 40 bucks new, you know, like, I don't think that's the Sony we have right now. And there's Jim Ryan era.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And a couple of things that I wanted to point out based on what you said is that there is the the time aspect too. I don't know if we clarified this, but your first playthrough will run between six and eight hours, which I think is the perfect length for this game. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not too long. It's not too short. You feel really fully satisfied um, by the end, Um, everything that you explored and all the moments that you experienced throughout the game. And the other aspect is when you talked about the marketability of this game, it's, the relatively short length combined with it doesn't have like the combat of a god of war or, like you're not shooting guns like you would in like last of us or um...
0: or, or even the scale of shadow of the colossus you know
1: no it doesn't it doesn't have yeah it, you know you can't plaster a giant colossus on the cover yeah of this game necessarily but in terms of artistic merit it's certainly not in the jim ryan era anymore this game is not going to get a blue point treatment no, and not. the other thing i wanted to i meant to ask you this or i didn't even have it in my show notes do you recall what the differences is between like the ps2 and like the ps3 remaster
0: so all this other than the like the resolution bump and all that i know the hd remaster contains all the content from the european and japanese versions of the uh original eco games so and the when eco came out in 2001 it came like the three ter- like regions na europe and japan and europe and japan well i think north the north american version came out first i believe. Yeah, it came out first. It came out September twenty fifth, two thousand one. Japan December sixth, and Mar- Europe March twenty second, two thousand two. So, um, since they had to get release this game in time for the American launch, they couldn't add in the two player co op mode. And uh, when you be, when you play the game in New Game Plus, the, the dialogue between Eco Yorda and the other characters they actually have proper subtitles. Like you, you can actually understand what they're saying. So, and they added that in the HD remaster for um, all regions. So that's really cool. So, like anytime I want to play two-player eco co-op on my PlayStation Three, I can. And the one, the one last thing, I think they did add like a widescreen mode because I think the game is letterboxed on default. It has like so, like you can remove that in the remaster, and you can play it with the power of stereoscopic three D with a if you have a compatible three D TV.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's in there too. That made me chuckle. I'm like, okay.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm ever going to use this in my life.
1: Maybe they had a little bit too much time, but no, I do appreciate when they call it a remaster, but they do go a little bit above and beyond with some of the quality of life stuff. They they throw in features that were in other versions to make it the comprehensive version of the game. So best place to play this is if you have a PS3 in the the game, you can play it there. I played it on PS Plus streaming, and I'll go on a little mini rant here. We ha- we have one more. I have one more topic that I want to broach that's relevant to you, but. Jim Ryan, I know you listen to this podcast, get your streaming service up to par. I literally paid for the service and a few times it told me I didn't have access to the service and had to restart my entire console. Jim, get it together.
0: You sent me that picture. I was like, I've never seen that error message ever in my life. No,
1: Jim, Jim, what are you, what are you doing? You don't like me playing this old game? Like, what do you, you know, you want me to play a trial of Horizon Forbidden West? What do you? What do you want Yeah, from me?
0: I'm reading like to play this streaming game and go to PlayStation store and upgrade your PlayStation Plus subscription or purchase. I literally, it's like, what the hell?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Jim, come on, man. Like, why are you doing this to me? I bought Deathloop Day One. You know, what what Oof. more do you what more do you want from me? But no, the, the streaming, when it was streaming, I mean it had those two instances, but streaming was fine for me. There was like no input latency. It's like with any streaming um, game streaming service, it takes a moment to kind of like boot up and connect. It was fine that way. This did give me a, the full range of positives and negatives for streaming. I'm still skeptical of it. I'm not going to renew like the PlayStation Plus Premium or Extra, I don't think, because I have enough games to play already. Really? You,
0: you don't want to play like Siphon Filter Dark Mirror, the classic PSP game? Uh, I don't
1: know. I think I'd just, maybe just get a PSP. I mean, I, bu- I bought a Vita recently. so But
0: it doesn't have trophies, and though. It was, it have, or Rewind.
1: It, it, was, it was funny popping uh, trophies in this game, uh, seeing the little PSP PS, graphic and yes. still... My, my PS5 alerted in my PS5 bell didn't uh, didn't show the trophies but it was on there but it was yeah that was funny I was like oh man that's a blast it's it's, it's funny to see how they incorporate old tech into to new uh, hardware but radic last topic that I want to broach again given that you were on the show is what what are your thoughts on an eco movie or tv show
0: dude i'm so glad. i was legit thinking about this last night when I was playing eco so what what i will say is that um i do think out of the 3 ueda games eco best fits a movie by far like that would have to be like a high budget tv show and even if it was it's like each episode just has to be a single about a single colossal
1: yeah and you i don't think you could use all the yeah like and give give them all their proper shine either exactly
0: but. like 16 episodes like they can't all be an hour long you know or maybe they're all like 30 yeah. minutes long whatever but like i think eco yeah. since it's so short you can and you can pretty much fit all the architecture and in there in the production design because i would actually love to see that recreated the environment at least for like a future film i know they've been talking about the shadow colossus movie for like ever like i know josh Trank was involved at one point Oof. and some other guy was involved as well and it, thankfully that was like back before the playstation productions era when sony was just going hog wild it's like oh like we'll just sell the rights to anybody and we'll announce this project that will never materialize but I feel like eco. it would have to be, like, to use this term, because I know some people watching it or listening to this show are definitely film buffs. But it has to be, like, some artsy-fartsy movie, dude. It really does, man. Like, I want, like, 10, 15 lines of dialogue max, dude. Like, I don't want eco to start, like, quipping and acting like a Marvel movie.
1: Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want a Joss Whedon uh, eco movie. No, definitely not. Like a like a Terrence Terrence Malick eco movie would be fun. But honestly, um, you haven't played Last Guardian yet. I think I think when you play Last Guardian, you'll, I think you'll decide that that one has the best possibility of a uh, of a movie adaptation because it's relatively linear. There's more of like a sense of being on a journey from location to location, and also the the bird dog is is really marketable. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that, that's another reason why I'm really excited for you to play Last Guardian. But no, I think that's pretty much anything else. Is there anything about the game that you kind of want to maybe clue people in on or give them a heads up without spoiling anything else that you want to maybe some like secrets or?
0: Mm, I, I will just say like if you're going into this blind for the first time, just try to pay attention. Don't be on your phone just try to stay locked in, like embrace the cuts, like, because the game opens. I love when games do this. So they just open with a cutscene right away and then they go to the Yeah, game.
1: I think that's the, that's the longest cutscene in the game too. I was surprised. I'm like, man, this is going to be like this. I didn't, I remember it being, that long but yeah
0: yeah so um just like and be patient with it you will have trouble trying to figure out a platforming puzzle or two but that's the point of the game right so you just gotta keep trying pay attention to the environment pay attention to how the camera moves because that's all intentional like everything here is done with a purpose and that's what i th- love about eco like i can't gush about it. i think it's like t- in my top five games of all time it really is and i only played it last year so it's one of those games I I'm really glad I finally committed to.
1: Yeah, and replaying it again and reappreciating it, I totally understand why. I believe it was when you sent me your list, it was at the top of your priority, right? If I it recall. was, uh, I think
0: Puppeteer was one and Eco was two.
1: Yeah, we we've discussed Puppeteer. I think that's 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 on the more long term docket.
0: Definitely a longer game than Eco. Not maybe not that much longer, but there's more to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. But yeah, this is this has been awesome. I think. A game like Eco, given that it was Team Eco's first game, gets kind of overlooked. I would not say kind of, I would say it definitely gets overlooked when we talk about Ueda discourse with Shadow of the Colossus and Last Guardian is probably his most divisive game. But I think this is a perfect candidate, again, for it being a first game, kind of examining how the DNA of this game informs his subsequent two titles. Oh, and the last thing is, you know, you're you're colluded on games media and everything. Supposedly Ueda is... Fingers crossed, going to reveal what his next game is sometime this year.
0: Uh, I hope so, man. He's uh, oh, he has like a publishing dude, I, deal with Epic, I think. So.
1: Yeah, you know, Epic has Oodles. I mean, they 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 run Fortnite and they own Unreal Engine, so they do not have a shortage of cash. I think that is in terms of financing, that is the perfect partner oh, for you Ada. Yeah, let him cook, and it's been it's been. Like another ten years since last Guardian.
0: I just realized because his next game is with Epic. Do you think there's going to be like Fortnite and Rocket League and Fall Guys collaborations? With... uh
1: can you imagine? Uh oh, that would be amazing. Not only his new if game, he... but
0: like the previous Team Eco games. I'm sure some of you would. Oh, out. I know like, that'd be insane.
1: Put like put like Trico in, in Fortnite. That'd be amazing. Like oh my god! Like instead, look of, at like a... instead of having instead of having a parachute, you like ride Trico down from the from the bus. Or the TV, be he
0: could be like a like a boss in the mini map or like in the world or something. That'd be pretty cool.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, like a superpower, like like Thanos's gauntlet yeah. or something. Yeah, that'd be amazing. But no, I am so curious to see what he cooks. I will. I can't imagine I won't be there day one. I think at the very least I'll buy day one full price, depending on what other games I'm playing. If I don't play it right away, I will support that man, despite my reservations about Epic. But yeah, I, fingers crossed he shows us what he's working on this year. And again, I, I mentioned this. I'm so excited for you to play Last Guardian. The sooner you said you had it downloaded, so you'll get to it soon. Yeah um you'll definitely have to let me know what you think and yeah we don't we don't really have anything else we I mean we covered everything about this game yeah it
0: just it just makes me sad when i think about it because eco 2001 shadow of the colossus 2005 last guardian 2016 so 11 year gap between two of those games and it, it just makes me sad it's like oh man i wish last guardian came out in like 2010 so we had the opportunities to have even more ueda games with sony money involved with them so, at least last guardian came out right so
1: yeah and that's another thing if nothing else this was kind of the beginning of what is now a relic not just in terms of team eco but studio japan yeah. like it's for all intents and purposes it's done i know you've lamented it i've lamented it other very well cultured intellectuals who play video games have lamented it as well um, others who are lesser seem to not have an issue with that but i, I think when we talk about games as art uh, as as higher art it is a relic
0: it sucks because sony like i would argue that that's what kind of made sony special in a way though were those games big sellers no but they for the hardcore playstation fans it it really elevated the brand it made it unique from its counterparts that era of not just games like ego and shadow of the colossus but like journey and puppeteer and pilot pawn like oh man it's just that japanese side and indie slash artsy side is gone now and it sucks. Like it just it it's just a bummer. It really is, and
1: especially in the case with Shadow of the Colossus and Last Guardian, it's very games with much more artistic merit. I believe that had a, a proper like triple A budget. Oh, absolutely.
0: Like I would love more games like that from Sony. Man, like I love like the uh, modern Sony games too. Don't get me wrong, but like yeah, I do too. There's a reason why ECO and Shadow both, yeah like Shadow the remake. There's a reason why those games stick out to me in my memory way more than a game like Horizon.
1: And you said how they kind of defined that era of Sony, and not just in terms of Sony's offerings, but we like we we don't get games like Shadow of the Colossus and Last Guardian. No. And I applaud devs' restraint to not even attempt to do games like those because they're not going to do them as well. The fact that no one's even attempted to do a Shadow of the Colossus, really, I don't think that I can think of, is a testament to the achievement that that game is. Yeah, and...
0: there is that prayer of the gods game that just came and went. I think.
1: Yeah, but but Last Guardian as well, you'll you'll I, I hope you'll get the sense that like they're not gonna make this kind of companion puzzle platforming game with this kind of scope and scale and budget again. Yeah. But
0: and, like if they shut down Pixel Opus, like there's no hope, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah, there's no hope. But um we do have these games. They thankfully are pretty readily available for us to play on modern consoles, so we still have them and you know, like we discussed, eco still holds up almost geez 25 years later as if i don't feel old enough yeah but you're
0: right man it's like 21 yeah 22 years
1: it still holds up what five, four console generations later it's insane yeah. like how many games can can claim that but yeah please please play this game if nothing else to admire at the overall design
0: i know you're wrapping up right now but i have to ask you have you seen the original north american box art for eco compared to the European, I have not oh my god you have to look this up man it's like
1: yeah send it send it to me maybe I'll consider it for the thumbnail it's the
0: prime example of how do not judge a video game box art by its cover because that's literally one of the worst box arts of all time it's probably one of the reasons why the game bombed in North America
1: oh yeah yeah. first impression I didn't have the the Colossus to plaster on the cover but uh, yeah you'll have to send that to me thank you so much Radic you will definitely be a uh, return guest eventually in the future thank you to everyone else and we will
0: Is there anything else
1: that you want to leave the audience with?
0: Well, according to my agent, I can only keep things very brief and I have to respect my sources, but the only thing I can say is Fumita Ueda will return.